Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope that this message will both teach and encourage you. Here's today's message. I still can't wait for Christmas. It'll be Saturday. Hello? This Saturday. Christmas Day. Celebrating the wise men giving gifts to the toddler Jesus. That's what we're doing. That's where the gift exchange comes from. And so that's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother time. But before we get into the message this morning, I'd like my wife to come help me with this. We thought, what is the Sunday before Christmas without some sort of gift giving? And so uh, Pastor Cindy, you, you had the greeters at the door and sometimes it was her. And we hope that people weren't like double stuffing and triple dipping. And we don't have Dominion. We didn't have Dominion Company count this, so. Anyway, she's going to draw ready. How many of you have your tickets out and ready? Okay. We have three identical baskets up here. The only thing that's different is the artwork on the word love. Yes. Did anybody get missed? Did everybody get a ticket that wants one? Okay. Ticket number 2610212. 212. There we go. Very good. Yeah, we'll just do them all right now. Oh, how do you like this one? 2610211. Now, if you win in the same family, let's break that up. 211. 211. Hello? Two, one, one. What's that? <clears throat> Check with her. Okay. Well, two, one, one. We'll lay that aside. And here's the third one. Last three numbers. One, eight, five. <clears throat> you have a gift now to give mom and dad. Isn't that great? <clears throat> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Yeah, let's sit it right here. We'll just set it right here. Two one one. I'll put the ticket right there. We don't want to take much longer to do that. All right, three gifts. Now something we noticed as we were looking amongst the Christmas things, very interesting. We, we, we came to the determination that love was missing from Christmas. Because everywhere we were looking, we were seeing joy, joyful, peace, but we were rarely seeing the word love. Isn't that unique? Isn't that interesting? And so, uh, we want to make sure that we, we already covered that, didn't we? The first message was one of the, the great Christmas gift, love. The second one, Joy, and we're about to find out with a third one. You, you, you're probably way ahead of me on this, but try not to blurt it out. Okay? When we're talking about the three gifts, we want to come back to this familiar introduction. The idea of giving is because of a gospel fact. The Father gave His Son, and those who receive are called to give. Those who receive are called to give. Freely you've received, freely give. And what have we freely received? 
What have we magnificently received? How about eternal life? How about love shed abroad into our heart by the Holy Spirit from the Father? How about, what was the next one? Joy. An unspeakable joy that we sang about this morning. We are also expected to bring forth fruit or evidence of the kingdom of heaven in our life. And this is our gift to God. The big question in eternity that needs to be settled is, what did you do with my son? What did you do with my great gift? Did you park it on a shelf? Did you yawn and stretch and say, well, that's interesting, or maybe it's for them but not for me? Or did you make full involvement with the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord? What have you done with this idea that somebody died in your place, covered your sins, everything that you have committed against him, and has instead released you into righteousness and right standing with God, and so that you can be called the sons, the daughters of God. What a gift! What a gift! And this great love, this great joy, and so as we allow this place, if we put it in the forefront of our life, as it becomes the fruit and the harvest of our life, then people can then what? Taste and see that the Lord is good. They can be around us and experience what heaven is like. Just a touch of heaven. Think about this. You may be the closest anybody ever gets to heaven in their lifetime. Wow. You may be the closest that they experience of the kingdom of heaven. That you may be the closest representative they have of heaven. The closest ambassador. The closest one to Jesus that they know may be you. You may be it. And some of us down inside, every time I hear that, I go, oh boy, there's some people in the world of hurt. If this is as close, but let's not underestimate his glory, his presence, his spirit, and how he takes his glory and puts it in jars of clay, plain earthen vessels like you and me, and in the plain vanilla existence of our life, he shines forth. He touches people in ways that we don't even realize. And it may take decades for them to even come to it, but then they can connect the dots. And some of them we won't know about until we stand in heaven. And there are people who say, I want to thank you for staying consistent. I want to thank you for the life that you lived because that was a gift that God gave me He's shown his glory through you. He touched through you. He encouraged through you. And I investigated him and I came to know him personally as well. How we live our life is our gift to God. So how can we combine all of this and live in such a way as to constantly be a giver, not a taker? Do you know some people who are takers? Don't point to anybody. Some of you immediately, when I said that, thought of somebody. Somebody you work with, somebody in your family, that they're always ready to receive and take, but they're never in the position of giving. Let us be the people, the people of God, the people of the kingdom, who move into this place and realize something. I have endless supply of gifts from heaven. 
I have endless supplies of grace from God. I am in position with the creator of the universe and he can flow through me and I can give and I can give and I can give without expecting anything in return because I want to live in the mode of Jesus. I want to be a child of God and I want to constantly be giving. So, now we're going to the great unveiling of gift number three. By the way, those of you that want a cup, it's listed right there on the cup. It's peace. No, you knew that. Love, joy, peace. And so I captured a picture here from the internet. I thought to some of us, this would depict peace. Just the placid surface. This could easily be Lake Worth. There are some mornings when the sun is rising. Some of you have never seen a sunrise, but let me just tell you. When the sun is rising, just beginning to rise, and the light is coming to the day, and you're going across the bridge, there's not a wisp of wind. There's not a ripple on that lake. I come across there. I have to at least drive with my knees because I give God an applause. That's awesome. What a view. You thought of that, how light would move through mist and other things and the great colors it would form. Thank you, Lord. What a great gift. And that speaks of placid. That's where, that's a related word to the idea of peace. For some of you, you remember this. Bunch of hippies headed somewhere. All they knew is that they had grown up. They were coming out of a generation that knew nothing but war. And one of the big things they talked about in the 60s was not only love, but peace, man. Peace. We saw the peace symbol everywhere. I know because I was raised up in the 60s and I had hippies babysit me. I've shared that with you already. Don't be mad at my mom. She wasn't completely irresponsible. But it was peace, man. Peace. I saw that flash, that symbol, and always heard them talk about it because of the Vietnam War, After before that had been Korea, before that had been World War II, and there was a certain fatigue with war, and there were people who were talking about peace. How can we have peace? That's what we're to- uh, focused on on this Sunday before Christmas. I love this Christmas scripture. You've seen it doubtlessly on a Christmas card. You've heard it sung. For unto us is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The idea of peace permeates Christmas because we sing, let there be peace on earth. And then the, it goes on to say, and let it begin with me. This peace is from out of this world. Obviously, this peace has to come into this world from outside of this world because this world does not have peace. Families do not have peace. Nations do not have peace. Communities do not have peace. In fact, there's a familiar refrain we've heard over the last year or two, but it goes back even further than that. In, in the, the cry that as people march down the street and they say, no justice, no peace. Guess what? We live in an unjust world where things are not fair. Something I was told regularly as a young man growing up, son, life's not fair. 
you're going to have to learn to deal with it because it doesn't always work out the way you want it to. So you're going to have to deal with the way things are, become a part of it, and bring about a change for the good. This peace that we need, obviously, can't be summoned up from within us. It can't be simply brought through a piece of legislation. You know, we could pass a piece of legislation unanimously tomorrow through both houses of the United States Congress with a 100% vote signed by the president and listed as a day of peace. And it would say, let's all just get along. Right? Let's all just be at peace with one another. We decree that you shall be at peace with your neighbor and all in your life. And forever and ever, amen. Have it voted by 100%. But how many of you know that it wouldn't really change? Now, some of you are sitting there saying, Pastor, you're awful, awful skeptical. It's negative people like you that keeps the world from changing. No. This is the reality of humanity. As long as there's more than one person in the mix, there's the potential for chaos and a lack of peace. This peace that we need, the Bible declares to us, is coming to us For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. This has to be born into the world because it can't be derived from the world. Something unique, something from out of this world happened. And just as love has come to us from out of this world, just as joy comes to us as a gift from outside of this physical world, guess what? Peace is the same way. We have to look for there to be a peace not summoned up from within us. But that's really good news because any sane person knows, you know, there's people that I just can't find to be at peace with. There's situations that I can't be at peace with. In fact, the apostle even says, as much as it lies within you, be at peace with all men. But here's the key. As it lies within you, how does it get there in the beginning? How does it get there in the first place? It comes as a gift It's from out of this world, and it is embodied in Jesus. The world desires peace desperately and even offers us some hints about peace. We see the placid lake. We we see people who actually accomplish peace in their lifetime. Small examples politically in other places where people cross the aisle and they broker peace. We remember the, the Camp David peace accords. We remember Egypt and Israel coming into a peace agreement. But very often we understand politically, when people have peace for a while, it's so they can manufacture more guns and bullets and get ready for the next conflict. And they're just pressing pause on the conflict so they can reload. Wow. The world desires peace desperately and offers us some hints, but only God can give us the goods. He is, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. It has to flow from his power, his authority. If we know Jesus, I like that bumper sticker, know Jesus, K-N-O-W, no peace, K-N-O-W, no peace. But know Jesus, N-O, no peace. How elementary, how simple, and how real that is. Isaiah continues in the 26th chapter, verse number 3. You'll note that there's a couple verses out of Isaiah that focus on peace. I wanted to do something right out of that prophecy uh, and that need of peace. He says this, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Wow. 
Trust. Their minds are steadfast. What does it mean to be steadfast in your mind? To be settled on something and not changing. What's the opposite of steadfast? Double-minded. And the book of James tells us that the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Aren't you glad he didn't say double-minded woman? All the ladies are saying, wow, he got us on the gossip thing over there in the epistles. But James sure let the men know that they can't be double-minded. He's talking about humanity. What are we famous for? Double-mindedness. We, we have an ambiguity about us. We have, we want to do this and do that. In fact, we call it have our cake and eat it too. We really want to do that. But what does it take? It takes a steadfast mind, which means we settle on the truth of the Lord, Word of God. We settle in upon Him. We make our commitment and we don't change our mind. You know, it's a good thing not to change your mind. Once you settle on the good thing. Once you settle in on the truth, because they trust you, peace can only come to those who trust. You can't have peace without trust. There has to be trust. In the Middle East, this is one of the fundamental reasons why peace is so difficult, because there is such a long track record of mistrust and abandonment of trust. Peace can only come to those who trust. The mind is settled The heart is engaged through faith. Is it no wonder that faith is such an important ingredient in this whole thing? Where he says, without faith, in in Hebrews 11, without faith it's impossible to please God. For those that come to him must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Isaiah then goes on to get the third one here, Isaiah 32, 7. The fruit of that righteousness, the fruit of that righteousness will be peace. The fruit of righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. You like that? Confidence. Quietness and confidence forever. What's heaven feel like? It feels like some quietness and confidence. It feels like an ongoing trust. It's like an ongoing, unbroken agreement without any sense of nervousness in your gut that things are about to change and become unpredictable. How many of you like that? How many of you just appreciated if life was just less unpredictable? Wouldn't it be great that it had some pattern to it, some rhythm to it, and you didn't find yourself suddenly throwing a curveball, then a forkball, then a slider, say, why can't you just settle in on the pitch and send it my way? Right standing precedes peace. And where is that right standing? With God. Before God, the creator of all that exists. This is what the world needs to get right. And this is what the world persists in not getting right. Here's what the world wants to do. It wants to find peace anywhere but in right standing with God. That's the world system. How can I do this without God? How can I do this Without the God factor, how can I do this without coming into alignment with God? Right standing precedes peace with its quietness and confidence. Wow, righteousness. There's an old-fashioned term. Everybody say that word together. Righteousness. It simply means to be in right standing with the one of power and authority. Number four. 
Isaiah 48, 22, right smack in the middle of the seven we're going to look at. And we've already looked at three. How many of you are encouraged? We're now number four. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Now, I made mention of this last week, and you know, it's the holidays, and we see a lot of candles. Now, that's not a candle. That's an LED candle. So for those of you that were thoroughly fooled, those are not lit every service. They are simply recharged batteries running an LED that flickers. Back in the old days, they had to have wicks and wax, right? Say that three times fast. And what they would do is they would strand or twist the wick together, braid it together. And here's what wickedness is. Wickedness is twisting in some bad with a whole lot of good. That's how you sell evil. You simply throw it in the package like the 13th donut in the baker's dozen. Oh, and here's the extra. But it's something that doesn't line up. With the word, it's something that doesn't line up with the character of God. And so wickedness is simply trying to have your cake and eat it too. It's 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 trying to weave together with the things of God something of your own or something of the world or something of the enemy and said, this is how I can interpret the scripture. This is how I can live my life. And what I can do is weave into it just a little bit of that compromise, just a little bit of that doctrine, just a little bit of that teaching, and everybody will be happy. Then we can be at peace. Peace does not come by mixing things together, twisting them together, and hoping it works out well. No, peace comes by an absolute focus upon the Lord. We have to be at peace with Him before we can know peace anywhere else. And we have this immutable, unshakable statement that's actually reiterated at least twice in the book of Isaiah when he seems to interrupt everything he's saying and simply says this, there is no peace for the wicked. None. It's hopeless, helpless. Now that in itself should be hopeless and helpless, but there's great news. Anybody who's wicked, anybody who's been twisting the good with the bad, anybody who's been trying to have their cake and eat it too, anybody who has been seeking their own will in their own way, if they will repent, turn and align with God and receive the gift of eternal life, they can come into alignment. Would you give the Lord a hand clap this morning? Sometimes we just need to hear that truth. Peace is desperately sought, but never obtained by the wicked. It's the carrot that keeps getting dragged out in front of them and little the can that's kicked down the road. It's the hope that maybe next week, maybe maybe next week, very cruel. It gets ingrained into their hopes. It gets ingrained into their fears. And they're desperately seeking peace. You can rest assured that every person you meet today in this place and anywhere else is desperately looking for the love of God, desperately longing to be joyful, and desperately longing to have a peace that passes all understanding. They're desperately looking for these gifts, but it's never obtained by the wicked. Billions of dollars are spent on substances advertised as bringing peace and offering escape. But how long does it last? A couple hours. The effects wear off, and then reality is engaged in once again. But what a hope that if our peace is founded in him, that it's an everlasting peace. 
And He is the Prince of Peace. And He gives it to us. Isaiah 53, verse 5, number 5. He was pierced for our transgressions. Look at that. He was pierced for our transgressions. You can even personalize that and say, for my transgressions. He was crushed for my iniquities. The punishment that brought me peace was put on him. And by his wounds, I'm made whole. What a great gospel message. Tucked away in Isaiah 53, the same one that opens with, the government shall be upon his shoulder. He now goes into the detail. What kind of price is there on peace? It costs the life of Jesus, the Christ of God, to buy you peace, to provide for you peace that cannot be eroded, cannot be dispelled. It's a peace that comes down from above as a gift just as surely as Jesus himself was given from above as a gift. Romans 5.1 connects that for us. For those of us say, Pastor, that's Old Testament. What about the New Testament? I'm a New Testament believer. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We had to deal with the righteousness. And what does it mean to be justified? To be rendered just as if you never sinned. What does that mean then? You're in right standing with God. Jesus is our righteousness. And when we place our faith in Him, as we walk with faith in Him, not by sight, as we trust in Him, as we confide in Him, we then are justified and that deals with the righteousness issue. Isn't that great news? What great news? We're justified how? Through faith. We simply believe. We trust. We place our confidence in Him to have settled the issue with God. And now we then have peace. Peace only comes at a price. Justice must be satisfied. Why can the world not have peace? Because the world is not justified. Unless they place their faith in Christ alone. There is no other answer to justify you before God. than only Jesus. And he was given to the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Give the Lord a hand clap. That's great news. What a gift. John 14, verse 1. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Here it comes from somewhere else, doesn't it? And it's a gift that's given. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say, Peace I leave with you and occasionally I will refresh it for you. My peace I give you. This is the idea of durable. I'm going to impart it to you, not take it back. God is not the wishy-washy giver. Jesus is not the wishy-washy giver. He doesn't give peace and then take it away. He doesn't dangle it in front of us cruelly and lead us along. He says, I leave with you my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Have you noticed that the world gives and takes away? That's how the world system works. That's not how the kingdom of heaven works. 
do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What happens when you lose your peace? Your heart gets troubled and you deal with fear. And so he says, don't let your hearts, don't you let your hearts be troubled. So he's saying, basically, here's the gift. Hang on to it. Here's the gift. Watch it. Here's the gift. Steward it. I have given you, I've left you peace. And it's not supposed to come and go. If you feel like you've lost your peace, it's you that has relinquished it. You've allowed something to break in and steal that from you, to disrupt you and to move you into position of being troubled. And Jesus is putting us on notice. Look, here's the gift. Here's the peace. Now, guard it with your life. Stand fast upon it. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus' peace confronted demoniacs and a thrashing sea of Galilee and imposed upon them peace. Peace needs to be imposed into your situation, doesn't it? Peace doesn't come easily. In some ways, peace needs to come suddenly, needs to come almost violently. In fact, Jesus said "There's a, the kingdom of heaven is being entered into by those who force their way in. There's a certain grabbing a hold of it that we need to do. Maybe we've just let peace slip away. Maybe we've allowed peace to be stuck back in the closet or up on the shelf But Jesus' kind of peace confronts demoniacs, casts a legion of demons out of a Gadarean demoniac, and tells the Sea of Galilee, lay down. And what did it do? It laid down like a puppy, laid down like an old hound dog, flopping down by the fire, placid. Sea of Galilee went from thrashing to placid, in seconds or less than a minute because Jesus said peace aren't you glad he's the peace speaker and he doesn't give and take peace he gives it he lavishes it upon us and he touches us deeply with it Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 the final idea about peace and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Don't you just feel encouraged by that? If nothing else this morning, just to hang on to that word of encouragement, the peace of God which transcends goes beyond all understanding. Some of us think, if I could just understand it, I could find peace. Wrong. That's why we sang, used to sing the song, we'll understand it better by and by. How many of you have gone into, how many of you have walked through something this year that you don't understand. I've seen people pass away, and I don't understand why there wasn't a miraculous healing. I've seen people from minor things be lost, people who had ten bad things going on hang in there. I don't understand that. Do you? If you came this morning hoping I'd answer all your questions, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I see through a glass darkly just like you do. I walk my faith just like you do. I don't understand, but here's what I can get a hold of, and here's what I suggest you can get a hold of. The peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Just calm them down. 
just calm down those thrashing emotions. Just calm down that wheeling mental windmill inside of you that's just going because you're trying to get it all figured out. And you think, if I could just figure it out, then I could have peace. And Jesus says, no. How about if I give you peace until you figure it out? How about if I give you peace until you come to stand with me in heaven and then you can understand what was going on? Wow, what a great promise. Peace is practical as it guards our spirit and our mind. Our spirit and our mind. See, we're three parts. Spirit, soul, and body. Our body just kind of tags along and obeys what our soul says to do. But the spirit is the great inspiration to our soul. The spirit is the great energy to our soul. What happens when we're born again and following God with our spirit? We have spiritual life as the number one priority. Our mind, our will, and our emotions are shaped and changed by that. We are transformed and made more like Jesus, and it happens within our soul. Paul even says, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. Peace works in there. It's necessary. It should be there daily because it serves as a guardian. How many of you like the idea of the guardian angel? The tall strapping angel, the big sword that causes 10,000 demons to tremble and run away like third grade schoolgirls screaming into the dark night. Peace is so powerful because it guards our spirit and our mind. And it stands there and says, not today, Satan. Not here in this situation. No, God has this. I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded. Can you hear the peace permeating that statement? That he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Peace guards our spirit and our mind. Let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. That should be the prayer of every believer. Because the world can't find that peace. The world can't have that peace, but it has been given to us where this is the season of love, this is the season of joy, and this is the season of, let's say it all together, peace. Here's the question I've ended each sermon with in this series. In what way do you need to receive this gift today? Where do you need peace to be restored? Where do you need to strengthen your grip on peace? And then... In what way do you need to bring this gift into a situation? Have you ever run across peacemakers? They're the people who can be in a tumultuous situation and they can speak peace and act peace out and it transforms and it changes the circumstances. What did Jesus say? Blessed are the peacemakers. So it's something we not only receive, but something that we give. What a great gift. And we celebrate today that gift of peace. Hallelujah. Honey, as you come, we'll go into a time of worship and then we'll conclude with prayer. Let's all stand together. Just like last week, we put our hands up and said, Lord, I sure need some download of joy. We're not talking dish liquid either. How many of you say, Lord, I just need a restoration of peace. I just need you to speak over a situation in my life and just to speak that single word, peace.
peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He can walk into that circumstance and situation. Maybe you feel like, Lord, I just kind of lift, I, I slip, slip my grip on it. I kind of let it go put on the shelf. It's kind of fallen to the wayside. Lord, I need a restoration of peace. I need a celebration of peace. I need an injection of peace. I need you to put the shine back on that peace. Something, Lord, needs to happen in this area of peace. Because I want to go into circumstances and situations and be a peacemaker. I want to have something to give. I want to have something to impart into this circumstance and situation. We'll just lift up our hands. Lord, here we are at this Christmas season, recognizing that all good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variableness or shadow of turning. And you have poured out and lavished upon us your love. You have poured out and lavished upon us your joy to lift our spirits, to give us a sense everything is going to be all right. There is a happiness here. There's an expectation of good because of God's involvement. And Lord, we need your peace to pass every understanding, to, to fill in the gaps where we have question marks. Lord, we need a download of peace. We need to strengthen our grip on that peace. We need to be better stewards of that gift of peace. Your peace you gave us, not that the world gives us, but the gift of peace that comes from you. Lord, we just pray for that to be refreshed, renewed, strengthened in us, strengthen our grip on it. Make us, help us to be better stewards, Holy Spirit, of that gift of peace, and then begin to freely we received, freely give. In this holiday season, in this Christmas time, when we're focused upon giving, let us be giving love, agape love, selfless love, that comes down from above. Let us be imparting joy into circumstances and into hearts because it's a gift that has been shed abroad into our heart. And let us be living in peace and bringing peace to every circumstance and situation by your grace, to your great namesake, for your great glory's sake, that there would be peace amongst us, peace in our lives, peace in our circumstances, not because they're not tough, but because you are with us, you never leave us, never forsake us, and you have given us a peace that the world has not given. It cannot take it away. And we thank you. Let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me, we pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. The Lord bless you as you go. Have a wonderful and blessed Christmas celebration with your family. We'll see you the day after Christmas back here on the 26th. Lord bless you as you go.